Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning. Now turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1, and the text given to me is from verse 1 to verse 7. Let's begin with verse 1 and 2 as we start. Verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Verse 2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shina, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. And then the rest of the verses say how he deported some of the best young men to go to Babylon, gave them new names, new identities to serve in the Babylonian courts. Now, here's the question. How would you preach from a text like that? In other words, what are some lessons we can glean from the first seven verses that simply give us the bad news as a background? How do we handle difficult news and challenges in life? The answer I find is when we go behind the curtain. Because behind the curtain, we see God at work. Behind the curtain, we see the grace of God. Behind the curtain, we see the glory of God shining through behind the curtain. Now, this biblical behind-the-curtain theology is been seen in a classic example I want to begin with so that you understand what the term behind the curtain means, biblically. And the classic example is the Raiders of the Lost Ark or the original Raiders of the Lost Ark in 1 Samuel chapter 4 and 5. Israel suffered a terrible defeat. 4,000 died in the battle. They were devastated in the defeat. So they cried out to God. They, they looked at each other and said, what do we do? What do we do? And then the idea came, bring the Ark from Shiloh. And so they went to Shiloh, brought the ark representing the presence of God right into the battlefield. And Israel was triumphant. They shouted with a great shout. The Bible said it shook the ground. They went, Ruah, Ruah, the battle cry of Israel. The Philistines were wondering, what was the shout in the Israeli camp? And then the spies came back to report about the ark being in the camp. And they go, oh no. Their God has come into the camp. It is the God who defeated the mighty Egyptians. So the Philistines were terrified and they say, Let, let's fight even if we have to die because we will not be slaves to the Israelites. So the Philistines fought and the unthinkable happened. Israel lost. 30,000 soldiers were killed. Get this, this is more than seven times the original 4,000 who have died. In spite of the fact that the Ark of the Covenant was there in their midst. And what is worse? The Ark was captured and lost. That is why in 1 Samuel chapter 4, it ended with the sad refrain, Ichabod, the glory has departed. And the cry among the people of God is, where is God? Where is God? That's chapter 4. 
And then chapter 5 gave us the behind-the-curtain scene. That's where we get the behind-the-curtain theology because it peels behind the curtain into the Philistines' camp to see what's really happening. Because in the Philistines' camp, the five lords of the Philistines, they were jubilant. They were banishing their sword, having a feast and drinking and celebrating. They have a remarkable war trophy, the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, they were now the undisputed masters of the universe. And so in their great celebration, they took the ark and put it at Ashdod in the temple of Dagon, whom they believe have given them victory over the ark of the covenant and over Israel. But the next morning, they found, the priest found, that the huge idol of Dagon has fallen face down before the ark of the covenant. Oh, they, they pull it and prop it up again. Phew, it was hard work. And the next morning they found the head of Dagon and the arms were chopped off before the Ark of the Covenant. The message is this, don't mess with the glory of God. They got the message and they were terrified. And in order for God to signal this is not an accident in the temple, a great plague came up upon Ashdod. And so they were terrified, they sent the Ark of the Covenant from Ashdod to Gath. And Inga, to signal that this is not just a fruit shot, there was a great plague that came upon Gath. And then the Bible says there was a great panic in Gath. The king and lord of Gath decided, we cannot keep the Ark of the Covenant and send it to Akron. And when the Ark was travelling to Akron, the people at Akron go, no, please, we are going to die. Don't come here. Send the Ark back to Israel. Send the Ark back. Don't mess with the glory of God. And so the whole theology comes behind the scene, behind the curtain, stands the power and the glory of God behind the curtain. Yesterday, I had um, time in the prayer, the board prayer. And Pastor Kikong led us and he said towards the end of the book prayer, uh, let's stand up together and pray aloud. I stood up and I sensed the presence of God. I couldn't pray. I could only worship because there was a song that gripped my heart. And in the silence in my heart, I, I sang that song within my heart. And the song was this, all over the world, the spirit is moving. All over the world, as the prophet said it will be, all over the world, there's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's a mighty revelation of what? There's a mighty revelation of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. No matter what situation or circumstance you are in, no matter what challenges come your way, no matter what difficult news come your way, the glory of the Lord stands behind the curtain. And this is what the book of Daniel is all about. The glory of the Lord permeates through the entire book. So that when you come to the first seven verses, which is actually not a good preaching text. Why? Because it should be completed with verse 8 onwards. Because verse 8 onwards gives the whole fuller picture of the thrust that God is at work and how Daniel stood resolute as a young man of God in his faith. 
But the first seven verses is only, as it were, the background that paints the bad news. So here's my question. How do you preach from a text that merely gives you the background information of the bad news, of the deportation, the defeat, and the submission of the people of God unto Babylon? How, how do you preach from such a text? My answer, get behind the curtain. There are three behind-the-curtain perspectives I want to share with you when we come to this great, wonderful text. The first behind-the-curtain perspective is behind the curtain, God is perfectly in control. So whatever circumstance you might be in, behind the curtain, the Lord is on His throne. Behind the curtain, God is perfectly in in control. Look at verse 1. Verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, that the word, that name spells terror in the ancient days. He was a powerful, aggressive, conquering king. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. In the midst of this bad news, God is in control of history. You feel the narrative tension. You feel the bad news. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is right at the doorsteps, right at the gate. He has besieged the city. His armies are there in the name of Nebuchadnezzar. Bad news. The good news, God is present and perfectly in control of human history. You see, we have to learn to see the God stories behind. We have to learn to see that history is His story. Let's look at, let's look at the broad sweep of biblical history. Just, just a succinct overview. Starts with Adam, the creation, went all the way to Genesis 6 in Noah and the great flood because of the sin of the people. And then after the flood, Ham, Shem and Jephthah were the three sons of Noah, populated the earth and then comes a call among the nations, a man of faith, Abraham. And Abraham was, was uh, as it were, appointed of God to be a picture of what it means to walk by faith under the gracious, glorious covenant of God. And the story of Abraham came in Genesis chapter 12 onwards. And then it's Abraham and his son Isaac and then Jacob and the faithfulness of God in three generations until in Jacob's time there were 12 sons. The 12 tribes of Israel came out of that. And out of the 12 tribes of Israel came forth the people of God under the Abrahamic covenant, the promise of God to Abraham. And these 12 tribes of Israel, they came, Joseph having two sons, two tribes came out of him. And the whole story now focuses on Joseph. Joseph, young man of faith and how he served wonderfully in the courts of the Egyptians. And then Genesis ended with Joseph telling the, his children, don't forget my bones when you come out of Egypt into the promised land. End of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50. Why did Joseph, at the end of his life, say three words? Remember my bones. The whole book of Genesis began with creation, ended in the coffin. 
Joseph Coffin. Because the story of faith continues, the saga and the covenant of God in history, the promise of God continues. Joseph believed that. Joseph believed that when God promised Abraham a land, it will come about. So he told his sons, promise me, bring out my bones into the promised land. And then comes the book of Exodus onwards. And Moses came to deliver the people out of Egypt. And there was a mighty signs and wonders over the powers of the Egyptian and the glory of God behind the curtain is shown over and over and over again. Then in the time of Joshua, is a story of conquering the land and dividing the land. After Joshua comes the period of the judges. And the period of judges were up and down, roller coaster. There were good days, there were bad days. Good years, bad years. Good judges and the sins of the people that brought the nation down. And so in the cycle of up and down, up and down, the Bible has a commentary. It says everyone does what is right in their own sight. Up and down, up and down in the book of Judges. Until the people cried out to God, oh, we want a king, we want a king to guide us. And God said, you want a king? I'll give you a king. King Saul was given. Head and shoulders above everyone else. Outstanding. Saul served God. But he did not serve God with a whole heart. In his half-heartedness. Because the Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 15, he was building a monument unto himself. God judged him. And then out of King Saul, God says, I regretted making Saul king. And then a young shepherd boy, David, came. And so from King Saul to King David, and then his son Solomon took over the kingdom. And Solomon made a critical mistake. He has two sets of advices. His father's advices, the old advices, and his young clique, his young advices. And he listened to the younger ones who say, you got to be strong and oppress the people rather than lead under the fear of the Lord, which King David did. So Solomon came and oppressed the people. The kingdom split into two. The northern kingdom is called Israel. The southern kingdom is called Judah. That's why you have Israel and Judah. Two kingdoms, north and south. And so you have the northern kingdom later on. God says to them, if you follow me, I'll bless you. If you don't, you will be judged. They were unfaithful. At 722 B.C., the Assyrian captivity came and the northern kingdom was sacked and destroyed. And when the northern kingdom was destroyed, there was intermarriage between the foreigners now and the northern kingdom of Israel. And out of that intermarriage, the Samaritans came about. That's why the Samaritans were despised by the people of the southern kingdom. Now, by this time, the southern kingdom should have repented. They should have seen the destruction of the northern kingdom and, and saw the judgment of God. And they should have come to say, Lord, we will repent and walk in your ways. They did not. They walked in their stubborn rebellion. So in 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar came, king of Babylon, and sacked the southern kingdom of Judah. And then you have the story of Daniel in the background. Point is, throughout the history of Israel, we find behind the curtain, God is in control. Perfectly in control of history.
There was not a single moment of history from the time of Abraham and the fall in the garden and, and then the time of Noah and, and the wickedness of the people there that created the flood and all the times of the ups and downs in Judges. At no time has God abandoned His covenant to Abraham. God is faithful and perfectly in control of human history and destiny. My friends, this is the theology we must grasp. Never underestimate God and His power and His glory. Let me give you an example of the power and glory of God Almighty. Last month I was in Manila at the IDC, the Intentional Discipleship Conference, and I shared with the conference the power of God as a God of creation, God our Creator. And theologians will tell us that God created ex nihilo, meaning out of nothing. No one, no matter how powerful or intelligent, could create out of nothing. Now suppose, just imagine with me, suppose we have the power to create anything we can imagine or think. We don't have that power, but suppose we are given that power. Let me suppose now you have the power, whatever you can imagine in your mind, you can create out of nothing. Imagine you create with me, all right? You create with me a purple elephant, a purple elephant with orange polka dots. Now imagine you have the power in your mind to create a purple elephant with orange polka dots with three heads, six sets of wings, two tails, eight legs. Can you imagine such a creature in your mind? Now, suppose you can imagine such a creature and you have the power to create out nothing. Boom! On stage is this huge elephant, purple elephant with orange polka dots, three heads and, and six sets of wings, eight legs and two tails. And we go, wow, you create out of nothing. You have not created out of nothing. You have created out of something. Because heads exist, wings exist, legs exist. You have created out of something. Hear me. In your mind, no matter how powerful our imagination is, we are not able to imagine something that has not existed without reference to anything that has already existed. We can't. Any of our imagination, the power of mind, we have to make reference to something that has already existed. What's my point? My point is that there's a difference between us, the created, and the Creator who has the power, the intelligence, the glory to create out of nothing. Never underestimate the power and the glory of God and He is perfectly in control. That's the first thing we learn behind the curtain. The second principle we learn behind the curtain is that behind the curtain, God is profoundly in charge. Perfectly in control, profoundly in charge. Look at verse 2. In verse 1, we were told there's trouble at the gate. You feel the narrative tension. In verse 2, there's trouble in the temple. You can feel the religious despair. Verse 2 says, The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the vessels of the house of the Lord. 
in the treasury of the temple, dedicated to God and the worship in the temple, these treasures of gold and the vessels of gold are taken out of the temple to Shina into the house of the God of the king of Babylon. Imagine the religious despair. The Jews thought Jerusalem was the center of the world. They thought the temple was everything. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 7. They chanted it like a mantra. The temple of the Lord is with us. The temple of the Lord. We shall not be moved. We shall not be conquered. We have the temple of the Lord. In Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah already warned them before Daniel's time. Jeremiah was one of the prophets in the captivity. He has already warned them. He says, don't you dare say the temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, temple of the Lord, as just a mantra. Jeremiah chapter 7, because God will judge. And then Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 7, remember Shiloh. Remember your religious center. It was sacked because of sin. Don't take sin for granted. Don't take the holiness of God for granted. The reason why they have lost the treasures in the temple, the city was sacked, the temple was ransacked, is not because God was powerless and impotent. It's because God is powerful and glorious and holy. Never mess with the glory of God and never underestimate the holiness of God. God. It's the reason why they experience what they experience because of their sins. So verse 2 says, God gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hands of the king of Babylon. God gave. He gave them up. Not because he is faithless, but because they are unfaithful and he's true to what he says. You follow me, I will bless you. You deviate in sin, sin will have its consequences. May I repeat that? Sin will have its consequences. That is why repentance is so important. Because sin has its consequences. One of the best definitions of sin I know is when a young boy asked the mother, Mother, what is sin? Young boy was John Wesley. The mother was Susanna Wesley. And this was what Susanna's answer was to her son. Son, whatever weakens your reasoning, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes away your relish for spiritual things, in short, whatever increases the authority and power of the flesh over the spirit, that to you is sin, no matter how good it seems. What a profound definition. Anything that distracts you from God, anything that draws you away from God, that is sin, no matter how good it seems. Whatever increases the authority of the power of the flesh over the spirit, that to you is sin, no matter how good it seems. God is in charge of human history. And he's not a lawless God. He's a holy God. And there are holy laws. Then what's the hope for us sinful creatures? The hope for us as sinful creatures is when we come in humble repentance. Because none of us are perfect except the Lord Jesus. 
That is why in the Breakthrough Weekend, we have four important statements in our church Breakthrough Weekend. The first is, when God breaks in, it speaks about the divine initiative of grace and we break with. It talks about separation from sin. When God breaks in in His grace, we encounter the grace of God. Then we break with sin, we repent, so that there's breakthrough in order for us to break forth. When God breaks in and we break with, there is breakthrough so that we break forth in a missional life unto God. God wants to be in charge of our life in holiness to bless us. God wants to be in charge of our church in holiness to bless us. God wants to be in charge as the Lord of all in this redemptive community called the body of Christ, the church, in order to bless us. But we must walk according to His ways. And we come in humble repentance. There is this consumerism in Christianity today that is terrible. I come to church, I seek God because He blessed me, blessed me. And the only motivation to come to God is so that you bless me, bless me. Rather than coming to God to worship Him in His glory for who He is and to walk in His ways. And then come in humble repentance and dependence upon God. So that we are able to experience the breakthrough and break forth as a missional disciple, missional Christian for God. There is the power of a transformed life. End of December, I was in Chicago. It was a union of Chinese churches. They have it in a huge hotel. And, and in that hotel where the conference was, I met a concierge. He's a dignified concierge by the name of Tai. First morning, I came and said hello, and we introduced ourselves, and, and we talked a little bit, and I found that he was uh, retired as an engineer. He wants to stay active. He now serves as a concierge, but dignified man. And, and I asked him uh, about his journey, about the family. We talked a bit, and I said, Ty, I've got going and, and, uh, at the conference. And then I came out, we continued the conversation because I was thinking, if he's not a Christian, I want to share gospel with him. If he's a Christian, I want to encourage him in this discipleship. So I asked him, Ty, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? His reply, I'm a disciple of Christ. And I'm walking the journey. Oh, walking the journey. And I'm living the dream. Concepts oh. <laughs> for Jesus. I'm walking the journey, I'm living the dream, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I am Manchan, I'm excited. I invited him for dinner with his wife. I said, come, let's have dinner together. He never had an international guest speaker invite him as a concierge for dinner. <laughs> so he wrote to me a WhatsApp, we were in WhatsApp contact, and he was so, so thrilled by, by the joy of, of uh, what he call being able to come into this fellowship of kindred spirits. That's what he called it. Whoa, we are kindred spirits. And then this is what he wrote to me after the dinner. My brother, I'm so grateful and honoured to have met and shared time with you and Anne. With all the people you could have invited to dinner, you asked me. I'm going to pray that this is a long-lasting relationship. I've been reading your book and it's so informative and convicting. I, I shared with him the book, Growing Deep in God. May our Heavenly Father continue to bless you and your family because He is the God of the how much more. 
hard work there. Now, his wife's story, his wife is Paula. So, so Thai came back and said to his wife, hey, this Singaporean pastor inviting us for dinner. The, the wife was a bit reticent. She's like, you know, I'm not sure whether I want to go or not, that kind of thing. But okay, yeah, we'll go. So she went. Now, the daughter Ashley asked the mother, Paula, how was the dinner? And, and Thai shared with me what, what, what his wife said. He said to Ashley, the daughter who asked, he, she said, the dinner was incredible and very encouraging. The mission that this couple has been called to is so inspiring. I feel like God wanted us to meet and spend time together to get your father and me off the couch into the battlefield. <laughs> off the couch into the battlefield. I was thinking to myself, wow, that's a good title for a new book. <laughs> off the couch into the battlefield. Because behind the curtain, God is at work. Behind the curtain, there's a redemptive destiny. Behind the curtain is the covenant of God. We are covenant evangelical free church. We stand upon the promises of God. God calls us to be missional in our lives. So wherever God sends us, be faithful to answer that call. Because we believe the end game belongs to God. Because we believe He's not just perfectly in control, He is totally and profoundly in charge. And one of the ways He's in charge, behind the curtain, God sent His Son, the Lord Jesus. That's the greatest behind the curtain story of all times. God sent His Son. And if you forget everything about Jesus, remember that everything about Jesus comes upon three critical horizons, three critical truths. The redemption of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the return of Jesus. You go back to last year's IDMC. First principles. Sola Christus. Christ alone, solus Christus, is the understanding that Christ came to redeem us. The power of the resurrection shows who He really is, and He is the coming King, and our King is returning. Oh, my friends, isn't it time for us to be missional, to be walking the journey and living the dream from the couch into the battlefield? Here's the third principle. The first, behind the curtain, God is perfectly in control. Second, behind the curtain, God is profoundly in charge. He is not lost. And third, behind the curtain, God is proactively involved. God is proactively involved. How is He involved? You find it from verse 3 onwards all the way to verse 7. In verse 3, he says, The king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, his chief of staff, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal families and the nobles. Verse 4, Youths in whom there's no defect, who are good-looking. Wow, they must be like Korean actors. Showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom. They must be like young Einstein. Endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge. I mean, the combination is hard. You want good-looking and smart people. Very hard to find. Huh? <laughs> and who had the ability of serving in the king's court and he ordered them to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. And then verse 5 says, he appointed them the king's food, you know, to, to, to fatten them, educate them for three years. And verse 6 and 7 says, there are four young men. 
There's Belteselzer, who is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Four young men. And these four young men, they are the remnant that God sends. You see, here's the point. God is proactively involved by raising up the remnant. The key for revival in the world today is the remnant within the church of Jesus Christ. I am convinced the church is not the answer. Because the word church, like the word Christians, is marginalised today. You go to India, you go to Africa, you go to Singapore, Malaysia, it's the same everywhere in the world. You go to America, you go to Canada. The word Christian has become shallow. The word church has become shallow in its use. There are Christians who are not Christians. And there's church that is not church. Because it's not the people of God seeking the ways of God, the truth of God, walking the journey, living the dream in Christ Jesus. How many Christians are Christians by name? How many Christians have not been truly born again? How many Christians are cultural Christians, convenient Christians? Meaning, just Christians by name. You go to Great Britain, it's the same story. That's why churches are closing down and becoming temples or bars or mosques. Why? Because it's a church by name, it's Christian by name. We have lost the sense of a missional engagement with a God who works mightily behind the curtain. Don't lose that mission thrust because God wants to use you. And so he raised up this young man, just like years before in ancient history from Daniel's time, in the time of young Joseph. Joseph was sold as a slave, entered into Egypt, and God is sending the future Prime Minister of Egypt as a testimony. Because it's a work behind the curtain to take a young slave boy, thrown into the prison, and raise him up as the Prime Minister of Egypt. The same story now is told of Daniel. Young Daniel is taken as a deportee, a hostage into Babylon. But God is sending to Babylon the minister mentor of Babylon. That's what Daniel became. A testimony of a God who works behind the curtain. We have to come to recognize God wants to work in you and in me. He has a plan for our lives. And often his plan is different from our plan. But he works behind the curtains. And his plan is always wiser than our plans. So we must come to follow his ways and walk in his truth. Because our God works behind the curtain to bring forth his glory, his majesty, his truth, his grace, so that we can be raised up as missional Christians, walking the journey and living the dream. Let me close with this poem. It moved me. In 1845, James Russell Lowell wrote a poem entitled The Present Crisis. And there's a poignant stanza he included. I want to read to you this stanza. The poem reads, Truth forever on the scaffold, wrong forever on the throne. Yet the scaffold sways the future. And behind the dim unknown, standeth God behind the shadow, keeping watch above his own. Standeth God behind the shadow, keeping watch above his own. Oh, the greatest behind the story of all times. 
where God keeps watch upon His own was the time He sent His Son to fallen humanity to die on the cross for your sins and mine so that believing in Jesus, our lives can be changed by the God who mightily works behind the curtain. Would you bow with me and pray? When trouble comes to you, God works behind the curtains. When God seems far away, He's at work behind the curtain. When the task seems great and enormous, God is at work behind the curtain. When resources are taken from you, God is still at work behind the curtain. Because behind the curtain, the God stories unfold. And this day, I want to bring you behind the curtain to see the glory and the power of God at work. And for those of you who have never had a chance to know of this God or to receive the greatest behind the curtain story of all times, God sent forth His Son into this fallen world that believing in Jesus, you might have life. I want to invite you to open your heart to God this day and receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Saviour. Because when you do, your life is radically changed. How do you receive Christ? You pray this simple prayer. Dear Lord, forgive my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Lord Jesus, come into my life this day and save me and help me to live a meaningful, purposeful life in you that I can walk the journey, that I can live the dream. If this is your desire to accept this invitation to receive Jesus into your life because when you receive Him into your life and acknowledge Him as your Saviour and Lord, He changes you. And if this is your prayer, this is your desire right now, would you raise up your hand wherever you are? Would you raise up your hand and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I prayed this prayer. I desire it. Would you raise up your hand? Yes, God sees your hand. Anyone else? Raise it high so I can see you. I want to pray for you. Yes, God sees your hand. Anyone else? Today, God is here. And not just here in Woodlands, but in Bukit Panjang in the east. Would you just raise up your hand where you are and say, God, change my life. I want to walk the journey and live the dream. One last time, would you raise up your hand? Lord Jesus, come into my life right now. Anyone else? Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I want to pray for the hands that are raised up. And ask by your grace, you walk into their lives and see the power of God working behind the curtains. You may put down your hands. For the rest of us who are Christians, Oh, isn't it time for us to rise with great confidence that our God is mighty? Don't mess with the glory of God. Don't underestimate the holiness of God. But submit to His work because there's a plan for you. His plan may be different from your plan, but His plan is definitely wiser than yours. And you are saying, God behind the curtain, do your mighty work in my life. If this is your prayer, if this is your desire, right now, would you raise up your hand? God behind the curtain, do a mighty work within my life. Would you raise up your hand? Right here and right above in the gallery, would you raise up your hand high? Lord, work behind the curtain in my life. That I might walk the journey, live the dream. 
Now, for those of you who raise up your hand, can I invite you to stand with me? I want to pray for you. Let's stand together in the presence of God. The Lord is here. He has a plan for your life. Let's walk in Him. Heavenly Father, I pray for this dear church family, Covenant Evangelical Free Church. Just like you have a covenant for Abraham, a promise we find in your word that you got behind the curtain fulfilling your promises to us. You are faithful. So this day we come under your faithfulness, O oh God. And we stand to ask you, please, O oh God, work in us, work in our church so that we have a testimony to share with the nations to disciple our church, to disciple Singapore, to disciple the nations with the power, the grace and the glory of God who works mightily behind the curtains. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all rise together. The Lord gave us a spiritual burden for the start of this year. Into your hands. And behind the curtains of into your hands is a sovereign God the sovereign God who is perfectly in charge, who is profoundly in control and proactively involved in our lives. And as we commit our lives, everything into His hands, God will show to us again and again His goodness and His faithfulness to us. Let's sing the verse and the chorus of the song. I love, love you, Lord. Oh, Your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God Let's declare all my life And all my life you have been faithful Father, thank you for showing us behind the curtain of what is into your hands. A sovereign God who is perfectly in charge, profoundly in control, and proactively involved in each and every of our lives, in our church, in Singapore, and in the nations of the world, including Turkey and Syria this week. Thank you, Father, for the promise that we can hold fast to, that you will show us 
your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. Oh God, break us this morning. Transform us that you might use us for your glory. Church, will you lift up your hands right now to receive the Lord's benediction. And now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people say together, Amen. The Lord bless you. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.